This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a Media Week Podcast. It's the 50 Shades of 50 podcast today. A special author has joined us, Brendan Jones. James, Welcome. how are you? I'm very well, thanks. It's nice to be here. It's good, great to get you in the Media Week studio. Well, I, I love being here and, and, and I feel it doesn't feel as hostile as the interview I had the other day with John Laws. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of strange. Now, was that in the 2SM studio? In the 2SM studios. Had you been in there before? No. no. So what, what's it like? Is it like it's, a regular... Because you hear things about, you know, it's low-budget operation and well, it is, rumours about this, it, but is it... I, I'd swap it in a heartbeat for our place <laughs> in North Ride because it feels like a station. Having said that, there's no one there except for Lawsy and there's like, uh, you know, and the, and the strange carpet. They said to me before I got there, they said, don't mention the carpet. And I said, how bad's carpet got to be? And I got in and I went, geez, where did this carpet come from? A casino. And they said, yeah, as a matter of fact, it did. Okay, it's leftovers from the casino. But it was, uh, it was odd uh, getting interviewed by Lawsy. It was, it, was almost, it was almost like I was Clover Moore had gone in to propose an extra push bike lane in the city. He just attacked me. Why are you here? What are you doing? I said, well, you guys asked me to come on your show. So I, I didn't quite understand. Now, of course, um, Brendan, you've, this is your first book. Yes. yes. The, um, you're about to turn 50. Of course, your ho- co-host um, WSFM Breakfast yep. with Amanda Keller, having a sensational year. Yeah. Well, we start, you know, last year was dreadful. Uh, we had... You well, know, by most people's terms, it was still pretty good, but by your yeah. own measure. But the own happy with benchmark, it. I think, that we, that we measured... I thought, you know, that it, was, uh, it wasn't as good as, you know, I would have liked um, because we sort of, you know, we, we, we dropped down the, the ladder. We were, we were travelling around in the, the fruited plains of, you know, number two and, and number one. We were starting getting, getting used to living in, you know, almost like uh, living in Point Piper. We're living in Point Piper. We're hanging out with John Simon, and all of a sudden we're getting busted down to, you know, Balmain, and then worse, and then Erskineville, and then you know, we're going into, you know, by the end we're heading towards Greenacre. So it was. It's good to be back. Yeah. Where did the idea for a book come from initially? Well, it was. Uh, I was approached by uh, New Holland, uh, and they said, "How do you feel about writing a, a book?" And I and I said, "Well, yeah, sure. Um, I've." I've you know, I've always been daunted by the fact of doing it. But I think as well, I've been a columnist for Live to Ride magazine for some time, uh, for about 14 years. And Alan, the publisher, said, well, it's, you know, really, it's just 13 columns of 5,000 words each. Hmm. And that's all you've got to do. So I did that and it was... So how many words is it? The book? It's about 70,000. Okay. I could have done more, actually. I, I really... They didn't give me much of a timeline to do it. It was sort of... They approached me in March... Yeah. And I had it done by August. Oh, wow. Crazy yeah. pace. Yeah. Now, it is you too, isn't it? There's yeah. No, there's no small print halfway through it says with no. someone else. No, they offered that. Did they? Uh, they said, would you like a ghostwriter? And they can interview you. And, and, and I said, well, look, I'd, I'd like to give it a crack. I said, why don't I give you a few chapters? And if you think it's rubbish, you tell me. And they said, oh, look, it's okay. We, we, we'll, we'll stay with you writing it, which was, which was nice. And when you found out that the ghostwriter would get some of your royalties... Oh, does that happen? I didn't even, knocked it on the head. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even know about that. I didn't even think about that. But you mentioned... Um, I mean, I should ask this question at the end, but I'll ask it now while I'm sure. f- remember you, 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 Spoiler alert, you're going to the end of the book. Well, I know, but it's page 205... Yes. ...out of 
2.30, so right close to the end. Yeah. Before you get to your current gig at WSFM. Mm. So I'm thinking, hello, volume two is just uh, begging to be... <laughs> yeah. Begging to be um, written. I, I think with writing a book like that um, as my first book, I, I, I really wanted to keep it... Didn't want to go into too much detail. I think, uh, I, I think I'd be bit presumptuous if I thought that people wanted to if I if I couldn't find a funny story about it okay. then I, I felt that there was no you know people would get bored I find I read a lot of uh, autobiographies because it's part of the job and the lesser known characters you just don't care I don't care about mum or dad or you know I don't care you know you might care but I don't care was, was that advice from the publisher no that was my own that was a, this is my own estimation I, I find like I'm even even like someone uh, you know that, that, that's huge that you're reading their book about. I, I've certainly been enjoying Jimmy Barnes' series of books. Uh, and, and in that case, because know, I've known him and he's been in the, the public eye for so long, you probably do want to know about, a bit about his mum and dad. Um, yeah. But there's, there's some books there where, where you read it and you think, well, I, I don't care about, you know, blah, blah's dad or mum. You know, I don't know them. And, and that's the... So you try to get those anecdotes in. That, that, are, that are funny, you know. And, and with this book, there's a lot of characters in my life that I, I've sort of chopped out. Uh, but, you know, I, I, it was almost like Australian Idol. I whittled them down to the, you know, the, the, the strongest characters and I might have combined a few characters as well, you know, their, their, their idiosyncrasies. People have... have um, and Amanda Kell has made lots of gags about this book, but, but I think genuinely she was quite pleased with it and thinks it's very good. I think so as well. I, yeah. yeah I, I, and that was my biggest fear was her reading the book. I, I'd like to have been warmer to her in the book. I think I, uh, uh, in the book, I don't really go into how much she means to me as a, you know, as a co-host. Uh, but once again, that's that thing where, you know, familiarity breeds, uh, you know, contempt. So you had that in there, but she, yeah, she's a, a big part of it. Yeah, but I can imagine you writing this at stage, just going, "Well, is anybody really going to care about this?" And exactly, because you're an unassuming guy, you haven't got a big ego. That uh, you, even though you work in the public spotlight, but you're a sort of guy who goes, "Oh, well, you know." I can imagine you you take things pretty gently, don't you? And you and you're not out there really driving yourself, pushing yourself like some people do. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, Am I, I right in thinking you're yeah, not Yeah, like actually, you know, it's funny you say that. After the disastrous John Laws interview the other day, I thought, why, you know, media people that I work with, and this is with all due respect, but, you know, people like Doug Morrow, who, who I love, they're my heroes, but they're so high, they're, they're just high maintenance. They're hard work, you know, far out. Just, it's not that hard, you know. You're gifted, you have a talent. Just go with it. Don't question why you've got it or, you know, I don't understand why people love me still. And just, just like it. You know, don't <laughs> overthink it. And I think, yeah, I just think they take themselves too seriously. And there's a, there's a whole litany of people that I've worked with over the years. And they go, oh, get over yourselves. What's the matter with you? Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I quite like it in a way you skip through a lot of stuff too. You just pick out some highlights of... Some people might you could you get into too much detail. That's interesting, but I don't need you know fifty pages on yeah growing yeah. up or the years at Riverview or or whatever. So it's 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 quite good in that way. Um, page well, the first page of the book you start with you talking about your your alarm at yes. three twenty five a.m. Uh, 
does that go off half an hour later now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the actual time you said? No, it's still three twenty-five. So you give yourself an extra half hour in the yeah. morning. So we're, yeah, because uh, and you're referring to how we're not on air at uh, five thirty anymore. Yeah. Um, which was a it was a big thing for us to let that go. Uh, we'd done it for so long. And when I first started here, they wanted me to start at five in the morning. And I said, I'm not starting at five. There's no one listening. The ratings don't start then. I'm not starting at five. So we settled out of court at 5.30. Then when Amanda came along, she said, well, why are we starting at 5.30? And I said, oh, it's a thing. And then the boss at the time said, well, Jones, you can go at 5.30. Amanda comes on at six. And I said, no, I'm not doing that either. She goes, well, we've got an impasse. And Amanda was in the, that meeting. She said, well, I'll just come on at 5.30. Uh, and, and the thing about that, that was a rod, that's been a rod to our back. I, like, we enjoyed it. It was loose radio. It was fun. People like yourself liked it. But that was the problem. All the insiders, all the industry folk. You know, I remember talking to Jackie O when they came and worked in our building. She says, oh, I love that, you know, that 5.30 to 6 spot. You know, get all, we get all the ideas for our show out of it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, we're just giving ideas to other shows. We're showing our hand earlier, and we're getting no credit for it. And the ratings haven't reflected it in any way. Right. So now we actually have a proper planning meeting between 5.30 and 6, okay. which I think's worked for us. The, now, I'm, I'm fascinated by our radio contract negotiations. I, yes. I love it. And I love all the, you know, the argy-bargy and what happens. Now, am I right in thinking this new time slot came out of the, the, your most recent deal? Was that part of it, or uh, the negotiation, or was that...? Separate? No, no. This was no. This was this was our boss. Actually, was the one that said, "Don't start at five Oh, really? So, so that was a separate. Thing yeah, Duncan. Duncan Campbell. Um, and and you know, he wasn't buttering you up before the contract. No, he just said we we had this thing because we you know we were we were in our Rocky Three stage. I like to call it. You know, when Rocky Three successful, but he's starting to lose some of the shine. And uh, he said, "Well, you know, how can we make how can we make the show better? What can we do?" And then he started to what, what, what sort of planning do you do and things like that. And then he we, he started talking. Why do you get go on at five thirty? Because we would be planning the show on air. You'd hear that. You know, when we, people thought it was a joke, but that was actually a part of our planning. <laughs> and you did the roll call. We did the roll call, and it just you know. And I, I found that we weren't getting good thoughts. Like, our rundown now is pretty much done by six. We know exactly where we're going. You know, we can shift stuff around, uh, but it's it's locked in, which is good. Yeah. The Your program, listening a fair bit this week, it's still, it's still pretty much, and I don't mean this as a slight, but yeah. traditional radio, isn't it? Yes. And your news is bang on. The hour, which has become a bit of a novelty, hasn't it, in FM land? I know, and I, I think, look, I think I'm a bit traditional that way. Like, I'm not saying we're going to have to play time pips, and we dance around. <laughs> we dance around with the the actual, you know, time. We're probably, yeah. you know, I, I, we try to get it close, to, near to the pin. But I think, like, I, I was. Kyle and Jackie O were on the other day and their quarter past eight break was getting played at quarter past ten. Mm. And I'm thinking, man, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, but that works for them. You know, yeah, that's their, that's their thing. I don't know if, um, and also Ronnie Sparks would have a shit. <laughs> if, he has a shit if we run. Who comes on after you, right? Yeah, he runs after ten. If we were ten minutes late, it's, oh, yeah, well, you know, so that's just easier to. Uh, but, you know, they, I think you can give into it and, and crap on forever about um in your radio show, but I think there has to be a discipline as well. Yeah. When you're so you sign up for three years, usually mm. your contract periods. Yeah. 
Are there stages during that period where you really think, oh... No. Would I give it away? No, I haven't. Either of you? No. I I think Amanda might do. If she does, she doesn't tell me. But, uh, yeah, I've I've never thought... No, no. I've never thought, oh... I can't do this. Not anymore. even on bad days, or because no, you ride a bike to work. And yeah, it's belting down at four a.m. or four thirty whenever you pull out of your drive. And, yeah, I know that's and you're still you're still up for crazy, it. isn't it? When you think of it, but I've never really, you know, I always and I think the day home that, life that bad. Yeah, it? it's not. I, I just sit there and go, oh, I can do this. Yeah. I, I always, I never feel bad. I've I've worked in the past in other radio shows where I've I've got in there. Uh, uh, particularly when I started at WS, I, I really questioned what I'd done. I, you know, I thought I'd made the wrong, majorly wrong decision. Uh, and I'm, but you know, now it feels like home. It's comfortable. But yeah. it was hard. You know, when we last year, when we had that dreadful period where we dropped from you know number two and we were you know struggling at number four, and I was thinking, oh my god, you know that's. You know that that's bad. Because you're thinking, then well, this, you could even go lower, right? Yeah, we're you're thinking not, this not, is the yeah. this is the end. And I, I started listening to other radio shows, and I was listening to uh, M. Rusciano's show, and she was doing stuff that we do. And I'm thinking, hang on, she's chased because all of a sudden everyone discovered forty to fifty four. That's the other thing. They suddenly went, oh, hang on, we want a part of that. So Kyle and Jackie O were getting that forty to fifty four spot, and then well, that used to be our, our you know fatted hunting field. And all of a sudden, they were all on it. So it was just, that was really, uh, everyone was competing for that same piece of the pie. If, and I don't want to dwell on this, but yes. <laughs> you did bring it up. If the ratings did really tank, you know, big yep. time, that the, the Duncan and the bosses going, oh, what are we going to do? Is, that, mm. is there a plan B? Have they got to pay you out or keep you on air till your contract's up? Are there uh, are there low ratings clauses in the contract? No, it's, it's not, not that I'm aware of. I'm right. sure my agent would have <laughs> point, pointed that out, I hope. <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> thanks for that extra worry in my life, James. No. I, I don't You're know. You can't pull it out of the bottom drawer now. No, don't you? but I don't know. Like, I, I couldn't – I wouldn't be happy – Sitting on it, but a, those things don't really happen. No, nah. because I mean, you've got a track record, yes. and an audience. There's a consistency to us. Yeah, I think but even if people get move around a little bit, yeah, there's a base. Then they always come back. Well, when Smooth got us last year, it was simply because they started playing '80s soft rock. Mm-hmm. That was it. And I said to our guys two years ago, I said they're playing "Modern Love" by David Bowie. What are we doing to counter it? And they all said, oh, you like Chicken Little. What are you worried about? <laughs> and I said, no, what are we doing to... And the problem with WS, unaided awareness. We, our cumulative audience is, is under threat. So our time spent listening, people are listening for a long time. We just don't have many people. Like we have, like we have a lot of people. We have more than the, you know, a lot of TV sh- breakfast TV shows would dream to have our ratings. But we, you know, we could have more if we had a bit more awareness. Like uh, whenever we've had a TV ad and a billboard campaign... It's a natural number one. Yeah, really. It, it, it's always worked for us. You can really that that spend on marketing yep. equates with. It's and you look at you go back to the history. Our first year, two thousand and five, where TV and billboards number one. Uh, yeah, every time we've gone TV and billboards, it's never not given us a number one spot. Okay. So and so, I, I could, I've got graphs of it. So, yeah. You know it's a so but TV advertising is expensive. So it's that. It's a special that. shout out to Ant there who yeah, controls the budget. He does. Okay. It's, it, it, and he's and you know hopefully we're working on something for next year. Okay. Um, which they, you know they have faith in us, but there's a real you know like I yeah, think the but cost- ideally they'd love a number one that doesn't need much marketing. Oh, of course, well, you don't dream, want that. You know they've got Kyle and Jackie O. That's a giant. Uh, you know that's a but lot. Then they still got to spend though because 
Yeah. People, there's so many other attractions. There is. And you've got it. It's like Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola can't just suddenly stop, you know, marketing. Mm. You've got to do it. Uh, and, and, but it's those little things, you know, there's, there's only so much we can do to, uh, to get ourselves out there. Yeah. And that's that. You've calculated, you've done about 60,000 hours of breakfast radio. Yeah. That doesn't sound like there's anything else you'd really could do or would do. I, no, I don't think so. I don't... I, I, I mean, because you, you did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Before this, of course. Yeah. Um, all sorts of gigs. But, but now you think it's sort of this or... Yeah. When I, you've done this, you're feet up in slippers, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that, that's how I... Well, I can't afford to retire. <laughs> uh, but I think... I went on Ben Fordham's show a couple of weeks ago and I really liked it. I just, I liked the, uh, I think, talk back yeah. down the track. You know, if, if, if Amanda breaks up with me, yeah. I, and I hope that never happens, I think I could do, you know, I'd like to give it a crack. I mm. think it's, because uh, there's a, I think there's a hole in the market for someone like me. Like, the problem is, like, big, you can't be a big lefty on talk back. I'm not a big lefty. But you can't be a crazy righty either. But there's a there's a bit of showmanship. Oh, crazy righty. Well, you know, you, well, you know, but you can't. Okay, let me rephrase <laughs> that. You can be a crazy righty, but you can't be. But it's, I think you'd be a moderate righty, yeah, but yeah. also have have a bit like talkback takes itself very seriously. Eat the tone at it. Yeah. When you listen to it, it's like Ray's delivering information. Okay, we're going to sort that out. Bang, bang. But that's the charm of it. Alan Jones is incredibly articulate. You know, when he talks, you get why he's number one. You know, you go, right, yeah. Ben Fordham, I'm watching how he does his stuff. And there's a real craft to it. I, and that's what I like about it. It's that you're having a conversation, but how do you break down that fourth wall where the talkback caller, they're calling through. And it could be something about, you know, bring back the monorail, said yeah. no one ever. But, you know, it's that, it's that kind of engagement. We'll talk it up because we had Will Anderson in here a few weeks ago. Ooh, yes. talking about how he wanted to do um, Triple M Melbourne. Yeah. And then what happened? He's yeah, in Melbourne. And he, and so, what I, they, so he said that before. I think I oversell the correlation between the two, but it did sound so like that begat, a very good job application from him. That begat the so whole... So the 17-minute of this uh, podcast yeah. can tell people... So we'll when, never in three years' see, time. Yeah, my thoughts about what might Russell happen Russell Tate, if you're listening. Yeah, if you... Yeah, I'm not going on Lifestyle Radio, though. <laughs> we'll not do that. No? No. No. Okay. No. Okay. No. Um, if you few little things about your family I want to run through because sure. that's some great stuff in the book about that. Dad was a Qantas pilot. Yes, yeah. Um, 707. I started with the 707. Yeah. And uh, uh, progressed to... He was there till reasonably recently. Was... Yeah, 2009. So yeah. he retired in 2009 and, you know, and as my sister said, you know, at his retirement party, yeah. she said, oh, he'll be dead in five years and, and you know, curse her for being What accurate. age was he when he died? Uh, 71. Okay. Yeah, so he got the cancer uh, uh, just before his 70th birthday and we thought he'd, he'd beaten it because he got uh, prostate cancer before that and we thought, oh, you know, if there's a cancer you want to get, that's the one, you know. And then uh, the lung cancer, so just when he recovered from that and he was looking good, uh, the, the lung cancer showed up. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's just sad. Yeah. Yeah, it was just sad. Yeah. Now, your sister, is it your sister? Yes. Kind of pilot as well? Yeah, yeah. So she flies, uh, she's a captain these days. Okay, on the Qantas. Seven, Qantas. Yep. On the 737. Um, you know, and like Dad was so proud. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Dad was alive to see her become a captain because that was his... Uh, that was his thing. Yeah. He, he, I think he wanted us to be pilots, my brother and I, but uh, he took us to the R- Richmond Air Show one year and as the, you know, the F-111's doing a barrel roll about 100 metres off the ground, my brother and I are just asleep on the, on the ground. So <laughs> he said, I have no pilots here. 
No, I, 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 I won't pretend I've read the book all okay. the way through properly. Oh, you could pretend. But, but, oh, I know, but I hate doing that. It's hardly, it's hardly war and peace, James. It's I, a... I know, I know. No, I don't understand it. But I did get a little uncomfortable reading about you and sex. Yes. I'm not sure why. Did yeah. you feel uncomfortable writing I, it or...? Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, not, no, not uncomfortable writing it, but then, you know, my youngest, Dominic, said, oh, you know, Dad, Dad we're going to put your book in the school library. And I went, can you sign it to the school? I went, oh, mate, isn't there other books that, you know, what about Tale of Two Cities? You know, yeah. that's great. <laughs> that's a great book. So it's, yeah, it is a bit... But it was good you went there, I thought. I think you got a load of yeah. really, It's not full-on sex. It's like sex. Oh, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm not going back to it. There, there's, there, there's an illusion of... Uh, yeah. So there's a, there's a, a, a frissant of sex. Yeah. But it's not... I don't go into the yeah. nitty-gritty. Did you get much advice from the publishers? Or no. Did, no. No, they just said, what the, just what go the, for it and... Well, what they did, Alan, was really good. We we had an interview, and he and he uh, just asked me about my life growing up in uh, okay. Sydney, and 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 all. So that. Alan's a publisher, Alan yes. Whitaker. Yeah, yep. and he's very good. So he was putting down. So he almost gave me homework. He said, "Okay, okay. in the first chapter, I want early childhood. Second chapter, so you're working on a, 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 an outline with you. Yeah, and he so said, it was great. You had yeah. Stop, yeah, and like I said before, that one that, that big five thousand word um, column. Yes. Yep. For each uh, chapter yep. and the radio stuff, because I didn't want to go too much into the radio stuff uh, in case people that weren't in radio wanted to read it. But but then I, I really got in because the radio stuff is a big part, but mm. not just in my life. Radio is a big part of everyone's lives. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I I, I sort of tried to. Well, I mean, I. And it sounds very clinical referring to pages, but it's yeah. page 70 really before you mention radio. Yeah, yeah. So there's a fair bit that happens early on. And there's some great colour about and there's time spent in um, Britain, yep. in England, living in England. Going to school, Kate yeah. got sent there. Um, and then I think the radio starts, was it you went on a school excursion to, was it SM? To SM. To SM, yeah. Yeah, 1979. Yeah. And at the time it was like um, we had to do, you know, you had to do your school project. And uh, this is a year six at school, and Mr. Williams, or Peg Leg Williams, as we call him, because he lost his leg in a motorcycle accident, he said, "Right, you can do either do a Titanic diorama, or you could do a radio play." Yeah. And I did the Titanic diorama the year before, and I knew it was still in the garage. I went sweet. I'll do the Titanic because I got great marks for it. You know, had the boat sticking out of the water, and you know, people floating around. And then he said. Mate, you did the Titanic diorama last year. I saw it in Mr. Vasalo's class. You're doing the radio play. So I quite have enjoyed it. I did, you know, we, we did the school. Uh, there was a magazine. What was it called? The school magazine. It was a government-type school magazine that oh, came okay. out. Yeah. And it had like a, a play in it about... Uh, it was like The Wizard of Id. And, you know, I just did that. And I had a dragon coming out of the thing. And the sound effect of the, the dungeon uh, door opening was a squeaky desk lid. And, <laughs> and they really liked it. The guys, you know, that came out from 2SM liked it. And then the, the, the selected ones of us would end up going to a school excursion at 2SM. Sure. Um, sh- no interview with you and about your life is complete without mentioning motorcycles. Yes. Yeah. Um, what, um, what ignited the passion there, was it? Possibly I got hit by one when I was about five, I think, in a back street in Melbourne. But I've always just loved them. I just, I love everything about them. Uh, I, you know, and I'm just, I, I can't imagine not riding one. Uh, and it's not like, I, I don't even, because people sit there and say, oh, you know, when did you go for a ride last? And I go, well, today. 
and yesterday and every day and it should be like when I, I ride a car I drive a car like people would ride a motorbike you know mm. I drive a car sporadically on a weekend if I've got to drop off a load of wood or tow a boat or take okay. my kids but you know uh, I, 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 my preferred transport mode is a, a motorbike do you take the kids on the bike? Yeah, yeah, I do sometimes. I, I, I remember once my son, my eldest is now 25, he, I had to pick him up from school to take him to the orthodontist. And I've just showed up on my bike. And he goes, well, where's the car? And I said, mate, this is what I've, you know, we're going. And I'd taken him on the bike a thousand times. He goes, oh, no, I can't go on that, Dad. I said, why? He goes, so gay. It's just gay. I said, how's it gay? He goes, it's gay. Go, go around the corner. I'll jump on the back there. So it was uh, kind of, you yeah. know, kind of strange. The, um, now, you've ridden in today. Yes. And it's great. You've parked in the building and everything. Now, you dress properly for your bike. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, you've probably got thoughts about the plethora of scooters on the road, and you see people wearing thongs yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Is yeah. That, it can, do you shake your head when you say that? I'll say this. It takes point, uh, one hundredth of a second to grind off a little toe at going at 40 k's. Mm. That's it. It just, boom, gone. Uh, and it is it is a pain putting the gear on, but as I've had a few accidents, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, road rash. Like I look at my bike gear with the dings in the you know uh, jeans and boots and things like that, and you think, wow, you know, if, if, if I wasn't wearing that, it just goes straight down to your your, your, your bone. Yeah. And, and like I had one accident in 2014, which is kind of big, and um, as I was like in a morphine haze with my broken back and my shoulder, and the nurse is, you know, taking off my pants, and he says, oh, what's wrong with your leg? It's a bit squishy. And he pulls his, and his hands are covered in blood. And I didn't even notice hmm. that. So he takes my dax off, and I go, what's that white thing? And he goes, oh, that's your kneecap. Hmm. And I was actually wearing uh, a proper bike pants. Yes. You know, Kevlar line pants, and even that just sliding on the road was enough to. So but imagine there wouldn't have been nothing of you left. If no, you... I, I the, the, you know, and that accident was you know, and I've seen people have you know tiny act like Glenn Wheeler, for example, that mm. accident he had on his scooter. You know, but if you go head on into a van, it doesn't matter what you're in. You know, you could be in a car yeah. and it's not going to end out well. Uh, but you know they. Motorcycles are dangerous. They, they, you just have to accept that. They're dangerous. Probably not as dangerous as you would think, but you can't be... Uh, you have to be instinctive, not impulsive. Um, Max Rowley helped you get into show business? Yes. Yeah, Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. So I went to Max Rowley's Media Academy uh, in the uh, 80s, and uh, that was when I said to my parents, right, I want, I want to be in radio. This is my, my thing. And they sent... I looked up a thing about Max Rowley Media Academy and went along to his studios there in Chalmers Street in Redfern. And, I, you know, he, he taught me how to speak. It was sort of like uh, he gave us a bunch of vocal exercises because typically of, of Australians, we all, when we speak, we say foin and noise. You know, we don't really open our mouths. We talk like that. Uh, so you, he, he gave me some exercises like, you know, Irene was delighted by the sight of the bright fire and, you know, the guide tried to lead them you down. You still recite some days on your show. You Which I do. Different little um, songs, yeah. don't you? Uh, old Mother Ruddle had a rough cut punt. That's my, <laughs> my favourite one. So, and those things are the... Because uh, you, you don't want to take... Because also in the 80s, we all sounded not like we sound. You know, Amanda in the 80s, you know, we play stuff from, and she sounds like Clancy from Skippy, Mr. Hammond, Mr. Hammond, so well spoken. <laughs> you know, and I think Australians, by and large, we are well spoken. Yeah. But we also, then you get some horrible voices. You know, mm. you just watch any reality TV show, 
when they're on, then you go, oh my god, that's you know, it's all all good, but yeah, it's all good, but you know, and you think, well, what is all good, but you know, it's that sort of stuff. So I can remember um, as a kid, some at the end of some game shows, you'd hear this is Max Rowley speaking. Yeah, he was the yes, the and so Max or whatever, and he was great. You know, he really uh, the biggest thing about Max was when I'd given up. I'd given up on radio pretty much. Uh, it was just getting too hard. I, I couldn't uh, get into it. Uh, and the, I, I was doing community radio and I lost interest in that uh, only because I wasn't going anywhere. And I was working here in Sydney as a labourer in the uh, sewers as a concreter. And I was making a 1000 bucks a week in the hand. You know, this was 1988. That's a fortune. So I had tonnes of money. And, I was uh, spending most of it too. Spending all the money. And one day, I was working on the World Square building here okay. uh, as a labourer, uh, which was just that giant hole in the ground, putting some concrete. And I've gone to the Kent Street car park to get my motorbike. And as I'm sort of putting my helmet on, I hear Max Rowley. I hear this voice, oh, it's Brendan Jones. Look over here, Brendan Jones. And I turn around, it's Max. And he said, uh, how you been? You know, what's going on? And, I, and he said, how's your, how's your radio? How's your dream going? And I said, well, you know, Max, I think it's, you know, I think it's over. I'm doing this. And I didn't tell him I was working in the sewers. I just said, look, I think it's probably I best I get a realistic job. And he said, oh, that's rubbish. You know, come in and we'll remaster your tape. And he said, how do you, have you said anything to Western Australia? And the running gag was, you sent something to Western Australia. You, you, you were in. You were surely, you had a job. And yeah. within a week, I had a job. Okay. Okay. Um, DJ in the snow. Yes, it's an interesting part of the book. It takes up a few pages. I like that. Yeah, that was uh, no, that was a good time. Good my memories. And- oh, really? I just loved it, and I would have stayed down there had I not met my, my like. Ironically, I met my wife down there, but she wasn't. We weren't uh, going boyfriend and girlfriend. We we're just friends, uh, and but I would have kept going down there uh, for years for the rest of my life because I just there's something about when I get to Kuma, I just love that part of the world i just love sort of changes the oh, atmosphere changes just, you're up higher yeah yeah you know how some people the like colors are change and the people are they're different but not i don't know they're different it's it's you know the cultures of film tri- clip to flame trees right it's that and it I, I really love it and you know those hotels in kuma those big old like the australian hotel i love going i love the smell of love the smell of chips and gravy and a schooner of old brown beer you know, and, and cigarettes. It was just, and the snow for me. Whenever I'd go down there, I was just hooked. Uh, and was it been. Charlotte's Path? Yes, yes. Right. Okay. Cause yeah. You know who owns that these days? Who owns it now? Well, it was until recently Kevin Blyton. From yeah, from the radio guy yeah. who owns um, well, a bunch of stations down there. Got two double C cameras. How long ago did he? Would, would he he's owned he that, still got it? Would he owned it for years? I was there a couple of years ago. I went to see him. He yeah. invited me up. Oh. And he's got an office there above the entrance. Looks out over the, the ski fields. It's, it's a great setup. Has he owned that for years? Well, I'm not sure. No, there was a there was a guy. What was he? And he owned, he's got a little um, quite a. He's got a couple of interests in different um, entertainment sort of, as well as his radio investments. Mm. He's got some, a few different. Um, what do you call them? Um, accommodation, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, holiday stuff. Places to stay. Holiday yeah, exactly. ha- holiday homes, <laughs> chalets, but yes, lodges. It's a great setup. Oh, it's, you know, the chalet for me was just fantastic. Mm. And, and the first year I went down there, my mate Turbo got me the job down there because his dad was a director of the uh, resort. And um, so Darren got me a job down there as a kitchen hand, <laughs> and, which I hated. Uh, and the next year I, I came back, uh, I was doing mobile discoing on the weekends while I was in Sydney. And then the next year, Jim rang me. This is uh, Turbo's dad. And he said, well, you know, we want to capitalise on some of this mountain money. 
as they'd call it. <laughs> We're going to capitalise on that. Uh, what about? Would you be happy to be doing a, a, running a disco in the in the chalet hotel in the, sh- the downstairs bar? You know, but it's it's going to be seven nights a week. You don't get a day off. And I went, oh yeah, sure. You know, I'll do that. So we made a deal, and it was great. I nearly died. You know, just of, uh, at the age of nineteen, I felt. 85 I was like you know just on every you know substance in the world to sort of keep functioning uh, but it was such there was such a great time mm. it was really good there's um, your lovely wife Helen yes she crops up mid-book nearly mid-book. roughly is that good um, <laughs> and she still living very close to where she comes from I guess yeah, down yeah. in the Shire yeah so she was a lily pilly girl we never met before the snow and that was weird in itself we met when we were down at the snow so she, um, uh, I met her, she was with an, another person, and, but she was young, she was only 17. Yeah. So she tried to, she, she attempted to travel around the country with um, her boyfriend in a combi, you know, it was Ivan Malat's dream. <laughs> and as fu- young, it was funny, kids were doing stuff. Yeah. Now that you'd be, parents would be scared as hell, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah, well, they got, they got as far as Charlotte's Pass. Oh. Uh, in there, and, and they work, and then they split up, and then she All ended right. up with someone else. And okay. and her and I, because we were from the Shire, and because I was eighteen and she was seventeen, we were the youngest two there. So uh, nothing, we we didn't have a relationship. We were just you know a sort of shoulder a shoulder to cry on for each of us. So uh, and then I would go back down the snow again the next year and not see her for another year or so, and then we started dating. Well, it's quite memorable how she. Rekindles the uh, relationship, comes and grabs you on a part of the body. Yeah, well, that was yeah. She was at the carrying bar in, and we were watching a uh, bronze zeppelin. No, it was gold, gold zeppelin. zeppelin. Gold, there was a whole yeah. There was bronze zeppelin and gold <laughs> zeppelin. And I thought, well, why would you call it bronze zeppelin? Mm. You know, just to and but gold zeppelin sounded a lot better than um, bronze. Yes, and a very successful uh, marriage. Yes, yeah. especially as far as many showbiz. Uh, yeah, now it's relationships been, go. Yeah. We've been together for a while. Um, she's uh, she's funny, Helen. She's not a, a needy person in any sense, and she's n- very unmedia. She's got no interest in it. Yeah, you know, there's no. And she's always and she hates when I say this, but I she, she's always been, you know, putting the death knell on my career from <laughs> since day one. You know, like oh look, maybe get a reasonable job, or you know, in Karatha, you know, oh you're going to get the sack, or this is as far as you're going to go, or you'll never get to Triple M, or you'll never do breakfast. You know, it's it's all those. So if anything, it sort of spurns me on. Yeah, well, it's so. very funny because your first radio job is in Karatha. You've got to go all the way to Northwestern Australia. I know to get into the industry, and she says to you, "Look, I'll come." But don't get the sack before yeah. I get there. And I, I mean, and that's very good. I was pretty much down to my, my, my third warning, second warning, by the time she got there. And I went, oh, God. Yeah. Were you ever high maintenance as an employee? No. No, I don't think so. I like it. But then again, that's something a high maintenance person would say. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I think I've put up with more from people. I've suffered, you know, when I suffer more fools than anyone. You'll sit there and you'll go, yep, okay. I've always been a big picture person, so I don't really sweat the small stuff. Uh, you know, and and radio can be a bit like that. You don't really stop. But you do speak your mind when, and often on air, Yes, when memos come that you think are nonsense. Oh, like, yeah, yes, you know, definitely. Yeah, because you got which it. Which is one of the attractions of your program, I think. You know, you get a good insight into... Um, What's going on? How you feel about stuff? Well, I think that's why what... you do what you do. Why the show does things it does. 
Because people want that. Yeah, well, you yeah, know, of it's not. It's not actually. It's not what people want, but they don't, they want someone that's they authentic. Enjoy that, yeah, they yeah. want something that's real. Yeah, you know, you don't want to go too real. <laughs> you don't. Wanna, you don't want to go like Ray Hadley real at the radio awards. You want to be like you know. You could probably candy coat it a little bit. Mm. You know, you think that, Kyle gets too real sometimes? No, I think I, you know. I love what he does. I always just get envy when I hear him talk. You know, because I just I like. He's got his character. His character, like my Does character. his character cross into his real life too? Um, I don't know. Like, you know, I've known him for a long time and we have these chats on a Friday in the car park uh, and they go for about an hour. We just stand <laughs> in the car park and we just chat. And I love chatting that. I really love him. I, I, I stand there and, you know, we just chat. And he's a very engaging character. So we have a, a, just a nice uh, chemistry. And then on air I'll hear him say stuff, but I think, you know, it's just that's what he does. Like, I, I don't think I could say, you know, a lot of the stuff he says. But, he, but just he, like the – you get the internal workings from him. Yeah. But he, he plays it all out on air often. Yes. Arguments with staff and disagreements. Yeah. And again, I think that's an attraction. Well, that's a Howard Stern thing. It's pretty much what Howard Stern yeah. does. Yeah. You know, that's what Absolutely. he – you know, that, that whole uh, – yeah. and, like, I love listening to Howard Stern. You know, I get Howard Stern podcasts. And I, I think there's a the, – there's a, you don't want to become bitter though. Like and I, on air, I, like Kyle certainly isn't that. But I've noticed with Howard Stern, as you get older, you get crankier. Well, Kyle, Kyle does get cranky. Though, yeah, it's a cranky. Yeah, and see, he... and I do sometimes, and I and I, I pull myself up for it because people don't want to listen to a cranky old man. So, do you? Is there any Brendan Jones character on air? I think there's as far as like I might amp up something a bit, you know, to stir Amanda up. I might, you know, <laughs> I might just like I'll push a button that I know that I can. You know, like I might say, you women. You know the problem with you women? You know, I'll say that, and that instantly arcs her up. You know, I remember one morning we're sitting there, and um, there was a train strike, snap train strike. So I said, oh, you know, I've just heard, heard some news. Uh, fellas, you better get the missus to drop you off at work today because there's a train strike. Huh. And Amanda's just gone. What do you mean, fellas? You know, what, what, women aren't working either. And I knew that that would, she, you know, she would react to that. Of course I know women are working. You know? Yeah. Yeah, in dress shops and things like that. <laughs> if is, the, I mean, now or previously, are there things you think management might have thought about you that? Uh, I think uh, uh, Oz Stereo never saw me doing breakfast with Amanda at Triple M. Um, you know, which always think they undervalued. What you yeah, I think do they are under. I don't think they under. I think I made that leap from daytime radio, which was hard. So I was in a time when daytime radio actually meant something. You know, it was a. It was a real – you had to be good to, to be on daytime radio. Why had, doesn't it now? Because just a computer does it. I know. There's no, no DJ skill. It really takes a lot of producing skill. There's a lot of like – right. Uh, you know, so when I started at uh, Triple M in Brisbane, we were still playing uh, re- uh, CDs and cart machines. So this is the 90s. When I left Triple M Sydney in 2003, uh, I was still editing on tape. This is 2003. You know, they just got Vox Pro just as I left. I said, oh, thanks, guys, bad time. <laughs> and even then I could still edit on tape that I could on Vox Pro because I was trying to get around how to do that, how to, how to work on that, the technology of it. Do you still edit your yeah. pre-records? I edit... Uh, what do you do? I, I, like I'll edit an interview. Now, if we do an interview, uh, I'll edit. You know, we'll get Peter Fitzsimons to come on talking about his book. you just got to edit it, you know, because it's 14 minutes. <laughs> Sorry, Pete, we need four. You know, <laughs> that's what we need. Uh, but, you know, there's, uh, what we're doing lately, though, 
and it took a bit to hand this over, it was a bit like handing over the panel to get a panel op to do it, is I do give interviews to Posty, our, our um, senior production guy, and I say, can, you know, do you just... And I like the way he edits, edits it. There's a... Because all we want is the entertainment in the interview. We want the chemistry. Don't care about the producer of your new movie. Don't care about any of that. But you've got to ask those questions, the ego questions. Yeah. It's a dance that you, you, you go into. Do you think I should edit this podcast? I think I'd I better get to the point on some well, questions. Eh? Well, am I talking too much? No, 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 not at all. People keep saying, think shorter podcasts are better. I'm, I'm not convinced. But oh, Yeah, I think, I think, like, how long has this been going for? 40. 40? I reckon we've got another, another eight minutes. <laughs> I reckon there's another eight minutes. Well, I've got about eight questions. To I'll, I'll be speedy. I won't go the Glen A. Baker on you. <laughs> you spend your life listening to people... More or less spruiking their products. Authors, yeah. musicians, performers, actors. Is this helping you on your book tour? Actually, it is. It's, it's interesting from the other side because people say to you, now, so tell us about your book. And, you know, and then, then you get something like Lawsy the other day, just a hostile, why, why are you in my studio? And you think, well, John, I'm on because you asked me. <laughs> you know, tell me something funny. You know, I'm a, and he goes, I've never heard of you. And I'm, I'm sitting there, well, you know, I was, you know, why are you doing that? You know, you're, it's a guest. You're trying to get chemistry out of radio. And then I just thought, well, Lawsy's 95 now, so maybe, you know, you can be cranky when you're that age and you've earned the right Was it a pre-record? No, it was live. Oh, and how long did it go for, the second? I went record? for about 10 minutes, but it was, it was like, uh, it's the worst interview I've ever been involved in. Really? And, like, I really... But he would have known about you. you. Do you think he was fair to... Well, for someone that prides himself of being well-informed, if he doesn't know that... I've been doing breakfast radio in Sydney for 12 years and doing it very well, then he must be living in some bubble of the fortress of arrogance. So <laughs> I must keyed his Ferrari when I walked out. I was furious. Um, the book launch was at Edition Book Bar? Yes. And Amanda was very funny. funny. She roasted you. Oh, she is. She's stand-up material. Mm. Like, never done stand-up comedy before, but would do it in a second. Just timing. I, I actually had envy. She was so good. Yeah. Very she's good. She's sort of good at everything she tries her hand at, isn't she? She is good, you know, and that's why I always just, um, you know, I, I value her so much and, and I always try to tell her that because she's, you know, I'm lucky that she chose to work with me because we've had it for so long. I remember the early days, I said, just get us past two years. If you can get me past two years, I'll establish myself and I'll be able to do my own thing. Just do, give me two years of your life yeah. and we'll be okay. And she signed for two years. And that was in 2005. So, you know, ever since then. Yeah. And I, as she says, she says, I, you know, I, I, I think this is my last hurrah, which, you know, fills me with sadness because I think, oh, man, I really enjoy doing the show. But, you know, I don't want to think about that. That's yeah, three years from now. The world's changing. Yeah. You know, well, look, it's a great story. The, and it was great to see her inducted into the Radio Hall yeah. of Fame. You're not there yet. No. And I'm a bit worried about that because there's been so few women Yes. Inducted. Do you know what they're going to do for the next few it's years? It's going to be all women. It's going to be catch-up. Yeah. Rightly so. It has to be. That's going to make the opportunities for blokes to, to get in well, you know, for maybe a decade. Well, who's out there? Like, you know, Jackie O? Oh, it was plenty, yeah. Jackie O's there. Um, you know, Robin Bailey. Mm. Uh, there's, you know, Laurel Edwards yeah. up in Brisbane. Like, really, that's, that's like a long-term thing. Wendy Harmer? Mm. Wendy Harmer been inducted? Don't think so. No. no. No, like she's great. Lots, yeah. I mean, yeah. ABC Radio's got quite a few. I mean, there was a myth for a long time that 
people didn't like women's voices on radio. Yeah, I don't. I don't um, subscribe to that. I know particularly talk radio. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it's. What, what's his name? Um, I think it's wrong. Yeah, but Prue McSween does well. Yeah, on talkback yeah. radio. Uh, sometimes I think she just says controversial things for the sake of controversial things. I, I don't think you can do that. You've got to be authentic. Mm. There's an old saying, Dennis Clark, who was this uh, radio um, uh, consultant that they brought out when I first started working at WS, and he used to produce um, Rick Dees. Okay. And he used to say, if you believe, they believe. And it's it's just, that's it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. The um, Has the publishers got big expectations of this book? I saw a massive stack in a photo. Was it must have been at the book launch. Yeah, scary. Had to so sign. they've at least printed a few hundred. Yeah, 300. <laughs> I had to sign 300 books. Oh, really? Oh, no, they have, don't, don't have any expectations. They said to me, if it sells, it sells. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, whatever. Uh, and, and I don't. I, you know, I'm a bit anxious about it because I'm a man that's driven by figures and numbers and things. Right. Uh, you know, and so, like, I, I, I hope it sells well. I don't know. What do you think? You haven't even read it yet. <laughs> oh, it's got a I'm, blurb from Mick Malloy on the back. Yeah, Mick Malloy, yeah. yeah. It was good. It was nice because Mick's a big part of, yep. you know, what I do. And I was so pleased that he actually wrote on the, the back. Yeah. Now, from what I've read, I, I enjoyed it. Oh, good. It's very good. Very good. Um and there's an electronic version, like an e-book too, I would is imagine. Oh, I'm asking. Oh, I thought there was. Well, yeah, I'm not saying it. So is there? No, That's I don't what, think so. Oh, you don't No, I so. thought you were saying you were delivering me this oh, news. Oh, right. No I'm, no, I'm sure there probably is an e-book. Though. Don't they do that for everything these days? No, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, check in. If you, if you like reading e-books, check in um, the, the little, iTunes bookstore or, maybe I, a check, or Amazon. And it might be in there. I'm sure it's probably there. Wow! Not have they talked about audio books are a thing these days? Is anyone? No, they you would be perfect to read your oh, book, but it takes forever. Well, no, you'd knock it off. I don't know, the six eight hours or something. Six or eight hours of just reading the whole book. Well, you do me. it in hour at a time. Oh, huh? yeah, it'd be dreadful. <laughs> People would. Like Can I get to someone else to, to do it in your voice? Yeah. Maybe I should get Russell Crowe during the Russell Crowe losing your virginity page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I forgot about losing my virginity. <laughs> um, so what's what's ahead for you? I mean, you, you've got the con- radio contract. Yep. Um, you're just happy with that? Life's good? Yeah, life's great. It's, uh, that's right. I have no complaints. Yeah. I think, you know, you just I just want to keep doing this for as long as I can do it. Um, but, you know, I, I think once you've signed, re-signed a contract, then you just go, right, let's... For me, it's more anxiety-inducing. I, I, I don't cruise. I, I find it, you know, right, the, you know, we're under an ob- obligation now to really crack on. But yeah. I, I, I don't think I've ever slacked off. I've never thought about um, taking shortcuts with radio because and, and, I just love it. Mm. I think that's the thing. I just love it. It's, a, I, it, it's my hobby. I'm lucky I'm doing a job that's my hobby. Yes. Yeah, and we'll continued um, rating success. Oh, I hope so. Brendan Jones, to you and Amanda and your station. Yes, thank you. Um, the You're wrapping this up now, it's oh, good. I am, yeah. Nothing else you wanted to drop? I know, uh, the, there's uh, nothing. A Really Reliable Memoir is the subtitle. Fifty Shades of Fifty. Yep, yeah, it's out on New Holland Publishing. New Holland Publishers, a wonderful stocking stuffer. Uh, it's great. Or I, even a standalone present on its own. Uh, but oh, you'd be a bit upset if you got that <laughs> as a book by itself, wouldn't you? You're having a sad Christmas. <laughs> James, yeah, great to get you in here. Thank you, mate. James, thank you.